This is Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. My name is Doris Corda, and for the past several years, I've been training educators. Listen to these episodes and hear about some of the extraordinary programs they've created. We call these pioneers the fire starters. See if you can get some ideas that you can implement yourself to change your own practice. In this special episode, we have excerpts from educators who attended the most recent workshops for entrepreneurial studies, both in Cleveland, Ohio and Santa Barbara, California. Hey, Doris. Hey, Allison. We just came off a couple of our workshops. Yes, we did. How are you feeling? Um, I, f- I feel fantastic. I'm completely energized by seeing what these, what these guys are going to do. You know, we have educators from all over coming to build programs. We make sure the people coming are coming because they want to build things. And they want to build things in K-12 schools, academic programs. And uh, it's impossible to go through this without being completely optimistic and hopeful about, about education. That's the truth. Uh, Maria Montessori said that education is the path to lasting peace. I believe that. And if the people who came to these workshops are representative of what we've got out there, which I believe they are, we have reason to be hopeful. When we talk about what's wrong with education, it isn't the teachers, it's the system. And we saw that. So I'm, I'm very hopeful. How do you feel about it? Great. It is. It's inspiring to be around this group uh, of People who are ready to make change, who are stepping forward and taking a risk and wanting to try something new. Um, It's energizing to be around, watching them connect and collaborate and design these new pilots for what they're going to implement in their schools. Uh, It was was fantastic. And uh, overall, I think it was about 53 people we trained from... In the last two, yeah. Yep, in the last couple here that uh, were from 15 states and four countries, uh, which is pretty cool. And the breakdown across as well was about 51% were working with public school students and uh, 49% are working with the independent schools. Yeah, so we go into these and we have, we keep them small so that the people who are there can really get what they need to come out and implement programs so that they get what they need, the tools, the methods, the practices, everything, and the time to design their programs. And the designing part of the workshops is the most exciting for me. Working with uh, teachers, with administrators who are themselves doing crazy amounts of work to recreate and redesign and new design programs that are going to transform the lives of their students. It's impossible not to come out really inspired. Um, I love what we're going to do in this uh, episode because we're just going to hear from the folks who came to our most recent workshops about what they're doing and what they're building. Yeah, so first up, we're going to hear from Keisha Conway and Lisa Rafa from Leadership Ashtabula and Lakeside High School, then Dee Meekum from the Bishop School. After that is Joseph Taylor from Deerfield High School, then Gara Field from Moses Brown School. Lastly is Deara Hobson from Mount Vernon Presbyterian School. 
We're going to pilot, uh, we're going to use the first three weeks of her government class, which is a tested class, uh, meaning that it's a requirement for all Ohio students in public schools for their, to diploma. Go to, for their diploma to go through government. And so we're going to present the kids with an unsolved problem that has to do with local government. An authentic idea, uh, problem solving based, uh, a problem within our community and really excited about the beginning stages because we think we know our community, right? We've lived there. I've lived there forever. Keisha's lived there for a very long time, and it's going to be so cool to find out whether the kids, what the kids see as a problem. And then I feel like that is going to engage them into their community, into a problem, solve the problem, present the problem, and in the interim, uh, we're going to guide the kids to some solutions in their own community while learning about local government, the organization, the structure, the impact that they might have as citizens in the community, and, and still get those learning contents and still get those curriculums, mm -hmm. ideas, and the content that has to be given. And one of the reasons I see so many people being successful with what they've done from this workshop is that Doris is start with just one project start with a pilot because I think too many times people go to workshops in the summer and they think they have to redesign their entire course and sometimes that's the way the conferences pitch it you know and she's like no just take one little piece and and that appeals to me as an economist because it's all marginal marginal analysis everything starts it's one step at a time and you start with that project and see how that worked and add another one and so like I said, my long vision's there, but we're going to start with a couple projects this year, AP Econ, uh, AP Micro with entrepreneurship the following year, maybe each year after that roll out another one of these interdisciplinary kind of uh, ideas. So the water project that I described before, I'm really excited about, um, and I've got a bunch of kids that are excited about it too. It's really not about the water project. It's about um, providing that opportunity for kids, of course, but it's really about coming back and showing our teachers that this can be done and that this can be powerful and uh, taking what we're going to do with the project and then putting that in the classroom and giving them some examples. I think maybe uh, one of the things that really crystallized for us here um, was that we have to go back and teach this, right? Uh, but I think in spending some time here and discussing and talking to Doris, what we've decided is that uh, we're going to go back and we're going to run the interdisciplinary project very much the way that she's run her class and then use that to propose an ongoing class. And we're not sure what we're going to call that yet. Maybe it's STEAM, maybe for the first year, maybe there's just a water project, right? Uh, but it's a class where we've actually built time into the academic calendar for kids and teachers to come together in an interdisciplinary way and solve real problems. One thing I think that's going to really help us is to shape the freshman experience in a way that will be transformative in terms of social innovation and entrepreneurship. That's that's big picture for us and um, this kind of helped us crystallize and clarify what we know we want to do and give us tools for how to do it. And so it's going to be transformative in just pedagogically, but helping us build out systems that impact a lot of kids. So when I came, I was thinking just design a course that where the students are kind of operational. And now it's just, it's a lot bigger. And so what, even what I was speaking to Doris about my ideas, 
we're really able, I think, to build something that's going to be great for the school in terms of allowing the students to solve other people's problems and then using that entrepreneurial mindset to then run a business, I think is going to be really, really good for them. And then I was also thinking about some of the PBL projects in my class um, that have nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but using this model. So one of the projects that I'm really kind of really pleased with is this um, social justice project where the students use math to analyze the prison system and determine if there are injustices based off race or gender. So now what I'm thinking is, I'm thinking two different things. Either just for building empathy purposes, you start with these nonprofits that are telling their story. And I'm thinking either they are they do their research and now they propose something to solve whatever problem these nonprofits might be facing, or they still come up with their own and propose some sort of social reform that could negate the trend or turn it the other way, right? In this next section, we'll hear from Daniel DeLeon of Sandia Preparatory School, Sarah Rhodes of Columbus City Preparatory School for Girls, then Danielle Albrecht from John Cooper School, Jenny Becker and Julia Hodges from Hawkins School, and finally, Jacqueline Clemens from Open Doors Academy. The plan has been to, to offer this particular course, this, we're calling it a capstone for our, for our senior students. It, we want this course to be to provide kind of the bridge to the real world um, experience for, for our seniors to really just get them in that senior year uh, working with and dealing with and interacting with you know, people in their community. And then between the two of us, we came up with Impact and Inquiry. And we had, well, Pam did an amazing job of turning the business model canvas into a social problem canvas and looking at the impact and them having to do the inquiry on the, we teach American history in eighth grade, so them having to look at the impact of the different wars and the different documents that were happening and how that impacted not just that time period, but how it then relates back to today. Yeah, keeping history not just static but dynamic so that they can see that it's a contemporary issue, it all had to start somewhere, um, but using that methodology to get to that place. Um, I think it validates what I'm already doing in my econ classes, but it gives me a framework to pitch a entrepreneurship class moving forward. That the the four project idea, um, the value add from that would be outstanding for our students uh, who need that problem solving opportunity, the teamwork opportunity, um, some interdisciplinary activities as well. So I think that with that framework that's what i've been working on as my pilot moving forward is i think i could pitch it and it would be well received at our school yeah so one thing also that we're going to try to include is a lot of the team elements a lot of the um, intentional design of teams and having students talk openly about their role on the team and their strengths and their weaknesses and pulling the equal weight and those kind of things because most core science classes at high schools across America have a lab partner component to it and they do work in labs and it varies I'm sure wildly if they get to pick their partner and how much time the teacher spends talking to them about working with someone else and do they turn and work together or separately or all of that and that will vary for us too but we're really excited to put a more intention into what it's like to work with the lab partner and what you can get out of that because if they end up working in the science 
career like they're not going to be in some isolated hole like they'll work on a team in a lab or if they're going to be an ER nurse there's a, an army of them on the same shift so it's it's pretty much a part of science and we've sort of just always been like yeah you have a lab partner but we at least I'm sure many teachers spend more time on it than I do but we're excited <laughs> to make it like a team component of the class. I loved the business model canvas and so I was really excited to have sort of the aha moment of figuring out a way to transform mapping business onto the business model canvas into mapping an engineering innovation onto the engineering design process as sort of a great introduction on day one because I've, I've taught the engineering design process before and it's just it's painful because it's so boring you're just like here it is here's this step this step so let's talk about why that is and it's just so much more meaningful I think and engaging to have kids pick like Right. The airplane, you know, how did the Wright brothers follow the engineering design process and map out like what went where and what their process was and how many iterations they went through to get to their final project. So I love the idea of entrepreneurship. I love the idea of kids, you know, learning through entrepreneurship and the creativity that comes with that. So I'm here because I'm hoping to kind of follow this model and kind of enhance the entrepreneurship experience beyond, you know, lemonade and business and kind of into more like social awareness and, and change like within their community. Isn't it amazing to hear the variety of programs they're designing? I can't wait to follow up and see how they implement. Absolutely. And as important as designing the curriculum is at least as important, if not more important, is how you actually teach it. And the uh, mindset shift that happens with the educators in this workshop is necessary. And the way we do that is I teach the teachers the way I teach my students. And they go through experiences as that their students will go through. And then we reflect on what did you, what did you just experience? Why did, why did I have you do it that way, et cetera. And it's really interesting also, every time we do these workshops, I learn from seeing how they've experienced it, what they come out of that with, how well or not that equips them to implement themselves. And so I think it's interesting to hear as teachers are thinking about implementing entirely different types of academic programs, they're thinking about how they need to approach the actual practice of teaching differently. Yeah. So let's hear about that from Adam Colombo of St. Anne Belfield School and Surin Kim from University of Nebraska-Lincoln, as well as Sean Wheeler from Design Lab Early College High School. Annette Lisak from Francis W. Parker School, and Pam Reed from Columbus City Preparatory School for Girls. Oh, unbelievable amounts of resources in addition to just kind of the confidence to change what it is that I've been doing for the last decade. Um, I told Doris this last night that I have no doubt that I'll be able to go back and do some of the entrepreneurship things that she's done here in my pilot program, and that's no longer part of my concern. Now I'm having a hard time also teaching my math and economics courses with an older methodology. I, I feel like I might be doing those students a disservice when I'm using a completely different set of ideals to teach my entrepreneurship pro program. Um, 
and so now my mind is going into what is it that I want to change about my math and my economics courses that would start to institute a lot of the same um, kind of dynamic that I hope I can build into the entrepreneurship program. I think second really kind of amazing thing about this workshop for me was that you guys have really kind of philosophy or like behind like a backing this program and it's really not about just you know entrepreneurship but it's really about youth empowerment it's about the different process and how we are going to change kind of educational system to really empower youth for the future of the, the society i like the idea of descriptive teaching uh, rather than prescriptive. Almost everything we do in education is prescriptive. We have the standards, we have everything else. But really what happens in, from what I can tell, right, in, in the videos I've seen and the discussions I've had with educators who have gone through this before, is the idea that we're describing to the students their learning. Mm -hmm. Right, so at the center of the learning isn't some standard or objective. At the center of the learning is the, the experience of learning. You know, and, you know, Learning is the most rarely used word in education, right? You can go to any opening night of any school in the next coming months, and if you listen for the word learning, you won't hear it. You'll hear rules, social media, texting, cyberbullying, a million things, tests and work. Uh, the word learning never comes up. And so I really appreciate, during this conference, the absolute focus on the learning experience of the kid, unrelated to this very false prescriptive way sure. of doing things. I honestly think it was my one-to-one -one with Doris. I think that if I'm hearing that somebody else has the confidence in me to, to do what I need to do to prepare for this class, you know, one of the things she said to me was that, like, you are the artist, this is your canvas, you have the ability to customize this class in a way that, you know, uh, pertains to my strengths and, and uh, my goals for my students. So. Um, I think that was really empowering to hear that. I think it's the power of possibility. I, it, it's, it's not that you need permission in a public, especially urban school, to do innovative things, but you, you kind of do, like, on the, like you see the possibility of what works, like the, it's like almost like this tantalizing thing. It works in these other places, these private schools or these suburban schools or these other places, but how could it possibly work in our school? Um, but the power of possibility is, Absolutely. I mean, it is a mind shift. I think that's the biggest thing it is. Um, but it's almost like saying yes to something that I, like, like this is who I am as a teacher, and saying yes, you have the permission to do this, number one. But this is, these are all the amazing things that can happen once you do it, and seeing it, and getting a space to uh, explore it is pretty amazing. So. Next up, we have Julie Michael Smith from Youngstown State University, then Beth Donovan from Falmouth High School. After that is Lisa Rafa from Lakeside High School, followed by Brent Powell of Dairyfield School. And really intrigued to learn more because I think there's a lot of really compelling elements that uh, particularly the districts and educators in my community can benefit from. So you know, this has been a great opportunity to learn about those, uh, the, this te teaching methodology and I love that it's the court of method because now I can finally put a name to it and call it something. <laughs> you know, I'm very excited. I, I, um, I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I said, oh, this is 
not just a class. This is a way of teaching. And if you can incorporate a little bit, I mean, I don't mean to be repeating what, what Dora said, but you can incorporate a little into each class and then a little bit more. You get more comfortable with it than the kids do and they're getting so much more out of your class. Honestly, I came in and I thought to myself, I'm getting old. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. I really needed a spark. And uh, I think it was uh, energizing for me uh, to meet all these people and this new methodology. I mean, throughout the years I've learned a lot of different strategies, a lot of different instructional techniques. And um, I can say that I really do think that this is going to be beneficial for me and for my building and for my community, which is one of the other reasons why I originally said I want to do something to better my community. I'm so energized by this method. It's the first, it's the first kind of, I mean, I don't mean to use a term that you all would use, but it's the first kind of curriculum design kind of method and organization. Understanding by design, when I first encountered it, was equally compelling. But this is more meaningful with student engagement, you know? In this final section, we'll hear from Jody Woodruff of the Met School, Hollis Lagan, Christine Saunders, and Kim Ware of Hutchison School, then Emily McLeish from Design Lab Early College High School, and finally, we'll hear from Oscar Gomez and Julian Martinez of Suricata Labs. So we do a lot of individualized work with our students, but I'm really looking at how do I do group work in a more productive way that can um, benefit, like a mutual benefit between business and kids. And so this is a really nice model that fits that. So I can really just take um, our foundation and build on it. And I think these are the tools that we really need to do that. The fact that you modeled a lot of um, possible ways to approach lessons, problems, even frameworks for courses, activities. And what I've appreciated most is there are multiple inroads. So it doesn't matter. Our school's resources vary greatly from some of the people we met. Mm -hmm. um, our school, and I say resources is time, money, space, size of students, right? Um, teacher leaders, all of that, agency access. But um, <laughs> there's something for everybody to take away and even for our different grade levels I feel like I'm walking away with not just possibilities but manageable possibilities some that are three years out some that are uh, we're able to implement right now this fall mm -hmm. I hope so. right one of the most surprising takeaways for me she labeled de-schooling um, the idea that that homework assignment um, in advance, we were given a homework assignment and said, you know, well, you can wait and do it that first night. And I thought, well, I'm going to wait because clearly they're going to teach me what all these things mean. And then I can go home and do my homework. It'll be easy and fine. But you didn't. <laughs> and so, you know, I really had to struggle through it and go back and look at my notes and reread and try and figure it out. And then I slept on it. There was that incubation period, and then I could kind of organize it. And while I still didn't get it all perfectly, that whole exercise, it didn't take a ton of time, and it was scary to do, but it was so much more interesting. And we have a tendency as teachers, I think, to spoon feed a lot of information 
And by that, I, I might even just mean read these articles or here are your questions and here's where you can find the answer. Now go do it. Um, but this just, this felt more like I had to dig in and, and just maybe fail, um, which I don't like doing. So it, w- it was hard, but but meaningful and rewarding and kind of energizing. And I like the thought of doing that with kids. One of them is the ability to question and to research something, not on a surface level, but really dig down into research and figure out what you need to know and how you can find that out. And the problem solving skills that they will learn. And then the empowerment and confidence that comes from having done that successfully. Yeah, and and for me, all of that driven by putting yourself in a client's shoes or another's shoes, so the the empathy part of it, which we talk about, and I think we do successfully in schools, but this is gonna be deeper and richer, and you can tell that because those questions that we want them to generate are all gonna have to come from another person's needs or another organization's needs or whoever we're working with, our school's needs when Mm -hmm. we're doing in-house projects. Mm -hmm. The students being here was really a plus to hear from them, to hear their experience, just really kind of helped me hone in on, okay, I should continue doing some things this way or maybe mix it up and do it this way. I think you did a really good job of actually giving us real and explicit and usable tools to help us go back and actually execute on what you're doing. I would say, like, I came into this thinking, like, entrepreneur meant one thing and I think myself like I got out a brand new view of like what this word means and what it can look like in a classroom Um, which was really exciting because I think having taught a lot of the ninth graders last year who had this one track mind but also realizing that they could take off those blinders and explore the world around them to the extent in which they'd never been allowed to before Um, I constantly was telling them last year, you don't have, like, I don't have to tell you what to do next. You can figure it out. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. What do I do next? Where are the directions? I need a rubric. But, but this kind of like supported me and gave me the confidence to say, okay, like they don't need it. They can figure it out. But also then gave me the ability to have those tools to like lift them up and guide them in the right direction. It's been amazing. I mean, to be like, completely honest, it totally changed our mind regarding what we could do and how we can impact the people we work with. We just came from Colombia, South America. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Even that our expectations were high, I think yeah. like it accomplished it like 10 times more of what we were expecting really. Because what we found, it was like uh, something to do the things way differently. And it's not just about teaching entrepreneurship. It's about developing skills for people and kids. And it sets a totally different level that it can also become just a new way of being in school. Just like another system, right? On top of that, it's amazing to meet people who are thinking the same things. I mean, because sometimes you feel isolated, like, am I crazy trying to change this? But to have, you know, like the opportunity to meet other people who just inspire you as well. I mean, not just you guys, it's everyone who comes around, everyone yeah. has an idea, everyone is trying something different. And it just like, it, it feels a sense of community. Yeah. 
And, and that's amazing. I mean, it's just not only the content, it's also sharing and, and seeing and you know, I'm feeling that you are not alone. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. For more information about our training, go to wildfire-education.org.